It's Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. And welcome, one and all, to the Sonic Society, the world's most massive showcase of modern audio drama. I'm the host of Winter, Jack Ward, here with the host of all things springtime, David Holt. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Well, as Byron, I am the uh, the steward of autumn, of course. There you go. But <laughs> without further ado, we've got parts one and two of The Stranger Among Us, another grand lockdown project of M.P. Johnson and Daniel P. Ramirez. Without spoiling you any further, I'd better say it all begins right here on the Sonic Society. Dear listeners, what you are about to hear is a true story. The events as they will unfold have not actually occurred, but similar events have taken place in all corners of our great nation. In 1946, Orson Welles released a film which expressed a war-weary nation's fear that their vanquished foes might one day attempt to blend in with patriotic Americans and continue their assault on the American way of life. For years, his film was dismissed as a fantasy. As always, Welles proved correct. The forces of intolerance and hatred, nativism and supremacy, have indeed reared their ugly heads, this time on our shores. They might not wear armbands or wave a flag, but they are here. Your neighbors, your doctors, your teachers. So sit back, pour a drink, and prepare to learn the awful truth of the strangers among us. A radio play written by M.P. Johnson, based on The Stranger by Orson Welles. Produced, engineered, and edited by Daniel P. Ramirez. Directed by Joanna Underhill. We begin our story in Montgomery, Alabama, at the headquarters of my then-employer, the Southern Poverty Law Center. It was a balmy night, and the Alabama River was lazy and thick with sentiment. Mosquitoes fell dead in my brisket from the electric zapper in the office. My boss was in a foul, foul mood. You see, I had just received a call from an anonymous tipster with a D.C. area code that put us onto the trail of what the caller believed was the big kahuna of neo-Nazi activity in America. After being publicly chastised by the right hook of an Antifa activist and facing the specter of broken, crying white supremacists on Vice News after Charlottesville, Richard Spencer, 
the golden boy of the alt-right had gone underground. We knew he was still leading the efforts to sow division and bring about a white ethno-state, but it was like he had disappeared in plain sight. We suspected that he moved to a landscape so white, so suburban, and so pasty that it would take years to find him if we ever found him at all. The informant gave us our first clue. So Stephen Miller is planning a vacation to Connecticut. Big deal. Isn't he married now? Perhaps he and the missus are getting out of the swamp and seeing the sights of Stamford. Miller is a creature of the swamp. He loves it there. The only time he leaves D.C. is to disperse his horcruxes. Ha ha. I still don't see the connection. It's not so much that he's leaving. It's where he's going. Connecticut. One of those buries or bridges or... Havens? Waterbury, Canterbury, Middlebury, Nazi Haven. North Haven! That's it, North Haven, right near Berlin. Why would the president's senior advisor be taking his first public vacation to, of all places, Connecticut? I don't follow. Put two and two together, chief. Connecticut is the nutmeg state. Who likes nutmeg? White people. Good. And what's their state flag? I don't know, two guys in sweaters playing can jam in the parking lot of a Coldplay concert. Okay, I hear it now. Mm. I'll give you that. White people love Connecticut. But why now? It's almost re-election time. What if he's going to meet Spencer? Plan the boogaloo, you know? Boogaloo? Jesus Christ, boogaloo. Boss, they didn't get where they are because they were creative or talented or resourceful or interesting. They're really hanging on to the coattails of this master race thing. A white guy writes Beethoven's Fifth and Spencer and his ilk get to rest on those laurels forever. Give me a break. Boss, let me follow up on this lead. I think Miller will lead us right to Spencer, and nabbing Spencer will mean a serious blow to Confederate cosplayers on the streets. You have one week to play your little detective game, and then you need, we need you back here. The boss was skeptical. He always was of women. Said there hadn't been a good female investigator since Ida B. Wells, who he claims to have dated in the 20s. He could be sexist like that. How is it that even the wokest people have an Achilles heel? Or in this case, Achilles tar heel. The next day, I left for North Haven, a sleepy colonial town where some spaced-out Puritans bought 300 acres from Chief Taramugus, who no doubt thought these particular colonials were compensating him for all the trouble they'd caused since getting rocked at Plymouth. North Haven was quiet, Rural and fiercely independent. Like most little hamlets in New England, it played some role or other in the Revolutionary War, a fact commemorated by the only landmark that made North Haven look any different from the neighboring towns. A huge town clock, erected to celebrate North Haven's dubious role in the Revolution. Built in 1783 by a meticulous Hessian soldier who settled in after the war, every hour the bells rang an atonal Yankee doodle and two... Revolutionary War generals, sabers blazing, emerged, cuckoo-style, for a formal salute, and then slashed wildly at invisible red coats before returning to their roost in the belfry. The clock hadn't operated since the very beginning of the Vietnam War. Sure enough, that's where Miller was heading. 
He stopped first at the only business open at 4 p.m. on a weekday in North Haven, Potter's Grocery and General Store. Thank you kindly, Miss Wilson. Now tell old Hank to stay off his feet and I'll be by to play some checkers with him when he's feeling right up for it. How may I help you, sir? Uh, yes, hello, shop owner. I'm looking for a human friend of mine that lives in North Haven. It would be preposterous for you or any other townsperson to assume that there is any reason for my visit to this person uh, than for us to catch up on bygone eras when we were school chums. It would be ridiculous to believe that there is any nefarious purpose in my visit. Oh, we don't judge here, Mr. Uh, what's your name? Uh, Killer. Stefan Killer. Mr. Killer. Now, who is it that I can help you find? Not a man, woman, nor child I don't know in North Haven. The name of the particular individual school chum for whom I've traveled to see is... Dick Spencer? Who now? Dick Spencer. Oh, Dick Spencer. Why didn't you say so? Say, Miss M- Mr. Myers, this gentleman is looking for Dick Spencer. Why, the whole town knows Dick. Came here, oh, two years ago. Real intellectual. Teaches American history at the Noah Webster School for Disaffected Yankees. Would you please keep your voice down? It's not this Mr. Myers or anyone else's business who I'm here to see. Genuinely sorry there, Mr. Killer. Say, Stefan, where are you from? If you must know, I'm from Washington, Washington, B.C., British Columbia. Ah, Western Canada. Had an uncle that went out there, lumberjack by trade. Lost his arm in the lumberjack games of 73. Get this, his wife was a cook for the camp. Now they do a three-armed burlesque that will make you holler to beat the band. Very well. Uh, Please desist in small talk. Do you have any anachronistic rotary phones that I might utilize? Why, right around the corner. How can I help you, miss? Yes, the gentleman who just came in here? I rode the train with him here, and he forgot his hat. Can you tell me where he's likely going? I want to return it to him. No, ma'am, I'm not looking for any trouble with you out-of-towners. Suppose I tell you where he's going. Mightn't he be cross if he didn't want his whereabouts becoming public knowledge? Uh, that's, w- 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 well, I- I'm just oh, trying... I'm just joshing, Miss... Miss... Wilson. Wilson. We don't have secrets here in North Haven. He went to see Dick Spencer. Spencer. You know him? I'll say, don't you? Of course I do. And you're okay with him living here? Okay, why I'm positively over the moon about it. He's brought nothing but good with him. I would really like to catch that man. Say, where could I find Dick Spencer? Why, you can go check at his fiance's place over on Bunker Hill. Sounds like a plan. And now a word from our sponsors. Slip and fall? Easy. Corporate mergers. Piece of cake. Constitutional law. Done. And Dunning. At the law offices of Dunning-Kruger, we get you results. 
because how hard could it be? The liberal media will tell you that law is hard and you need to go to law school. But if you have Google and a pocket constitution, it's as easy as one, A-B-C. two, three. The constitution is as plain as day. It means pretty much what you've always thought it does. For instance, did you know that you don't have to suffer any consequences for anything you say because of the First Amendment and free speech? Neither did our last judge. Fire from the hip at work, school, or the playground. We'll defend you, and we'll definitely win because we are literally the smartest people we know. Speaking of firing from the hip, how about that Second Amendment? Boom, boom. You know you can carry a gun anywhere you want? Because forefathers. That's right, and if you don't believe us, listen to this testimonial from an actual client. I was thrilled when Dunning and Kruger told me that I could carry my pistol in conjunction with my daughter's lawful piano recital. I only unholstered it as a de-escalation tool when a nasty woman decided to talk over my baby girl's performance. Dunning and Kruger assured me that it would be in an open and shut case, and it was. I was sentenced in less than two hours, and I will be in jail for quite a while. Whoopsies. So forget all you were taught about the Constitution. Shouldn't take long. And throw nuance out the window. What does that word even mean? Because at the law offices of Dunning-Kruger, we get results. Because we're smarter than everybody. That's right. We're not just lawyers at the law offices of Dunning-Kruger. We're also clients. We rejoin the action in the living room of Miss Mary Longstreet Whitehouse, daughter of Judge Whitehouse and Jewel Debutante of the old aristocratic families of North Haven. Mrs. Corcoran, be a doll and grab Mr. Spence's favorite smoking jacket. I do believe he'll arrive home soon, and I want him to be comfortable. A man should be comfortable during his wedding week. Should I grab some slippers too, ma'am? Now, Vidalia, why slippers? In case he got cold feet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll get it, ma'am. Can I help you? Are you the woman that is to be betrothed to... Dick Spencer? Oh, no, sir. You're wanting Miss Whitehouse. I'll get her. Since it is the woman Whitehouse I am to see, uh, can you see that she visits me here? Good afternoon. Oh, my good man, you look white as a ghost. Thank you, ma'am. I was worried I had gotten too much sun on the trip up. I just meant you look scared. May I help you? Yes, ma'am. I'm looking for my good old friend Dick Spencer, uh, is this the home in which he resides? Soon to be. Dick's my fiance, Mary Whitehouse. I don't know a single one of Dickie's old friends. It's so nice to meet you, Mr... A killer. Stefan Killer. Mr. Killer? Are you just going to stand there? Well, technically, ma'am, I require an invitation to come in. I just said, are you just going to stand there, Mr. Killer? Yes. Uh, I need you to actually say the words, uh, Mr. Stefan Mestistopheles Killer, I beseech thee to enter the dwelling so I can cross the threshold. Ah, uh, never mind, it's prattle. Where can I find Dick? Why, Mr. Killer, he should be home at any moment. Uh, but if you want to find him sooner... Yes, uh, finding him is the purpose of my trip. He's at the school. I'm sure he'd just love to see you. Mighty white of you, Mrs. Whitehouse. I'll leave presently. Okay, then. Good day. Hope to see you when Dickie gets home. Of all the strangest apparitions I've seen in North Haven... Mr. Killer, you've changed your mind again and you're coming in. I'm sorry, ma'am. Who were you expecting? Oh, just an odd duck by the name of Killer, looking for Dickie. I see, ma'am. And where is... Oh, Dickie. Why, he's teaching American history down the road a ways... 
Lecturing on reconstruction, I believe. How long have you known? Dickie? Why, Dickie and I met the very day he moved to town. Did he tell you what he was up to before he moved to North Haven? Well, Ms... Wilson. Winifred Wilson. My friends call me Fred. Well, Fred. He said he worked in the nonprofit sector, cultural preservation and heritage. Story checks out. Dickie's always on about how Americans turn their back to history to the founding principles. So his job was to make sure that people remembered who built this country. <coughs> really? My dear, come in, have a cold moxie and take a break. Why, thank you, ma'am. But I need to speak with... <coughs> Dickie. Goodness, everyone's in a hurry to see Dickie today. Down the road a hundred paces, you'll see the school. I followed Miller to the Noah Webster School for Disaffected Yankees, where Dick Spencer was the most popular new lecturer. I was beginning to think this assignment was going to be a cakewalk. This had to be our man. But if so, why isn't the town up in arms about having a neo-Nazi in their midst? I tailed Miller to just outside of Spencer's class. I hid, as I had so many times before, in a locker near the door. And so you see, my young Argonauts, Brown versus the Board of Education capped off a malicious, unprincipled pattern of judicial overreach that would rock the 20th century and serve to destabilize the very foundation of our beloved Constitution ripped to shreds respect for state sovereignty, and precipitate the type of social upheaval that worsened, not ameliorated, race relations in America. Mushy-headed liberals with more guilt than smarts, unleashing... Remember, boys, please read The Lost Cause, pages 200 to 276. Uh, Mr. Spencer, my mom told me that the Civil War was about slavery and not about states' rights at all. (laughs) My dear boy, of course it was about states' rights. The right to do whatever the state decides it wants to do. If that included slavery, why who is the federal government to say no? Now remember, whenever those mean old parents get these mushy-headed ideas, it's your job and duty to correct them. Dick. Miller! Ah, yes, uh, my good man. Uh, How are you? What in the name of Himmler's ghost would possess you to pay me such an unexpected, unwelcome visit? And at my work, no less? I had to see you. It's about Oogaloo Bay. My uncle has a boat on Oogaloo Bay. Very good, Heinrich. My name is Henry. Uh, Very good. Uh, Now run along. My good man, this is quite unusual. Perhaps we might talk later. Well, I tried you first at your home. You did what? Leave now. Call on me tonight at 7.30 p.m. We can talk then. In the meantime, stay out of sight or I'll tell the Don... About our arrangement. Whatever you say. I decided to follow Miller through the hallways. 
I am normally quite averse to physical confrontation, but Miller had the brains of a donkey and the body of a middle school jockey. I thought I could take him. Miller! Stop! I know it's you! Miller! You'll never catch me! Stop! Freeze! Octung libtard! WBLM News and Weather on the Sevens. In local news, Berlin attorneys Mark Dunning and Paul Kruger in hot water today after yelling fire during a crowded performance of Cats. We go to our reporter on the scene. Am I being detained? You have to answer me. Am I being detained? For the thousandth time, yes, you are being detained. You can't arrest us. Ever heard of the First Amendment? Witnesses say the two men shouted fire and screamed loudly, as if they were themselves on fire during the climactic moment of a local production of Cats. A mad dash to the door broke out, resulting in several serious injuries during what appears to have been a stampede. In other news, riot police are reporting an outbreak of the clumsies as protesters all across the city are tripping and falling at an unprecedented rate. We've never seen anything like this. At every peaceful protest across the city, protesters are tripping over their own two feet and bashing their heads against the pavement. Some must be poking their eyes on the way down because medics are reporting redness and excessive tearing. Now let's go to sports with Tim O'Brien. Since the Cornhog League of America is on hiatus, let's look at action in the Korean Baseball League, where we're entering the fifth week of play. The NC Dinos beat the Samsung Lions 5-0 because the Korean government had a functioning pandemic response. The Heroes beat the Wyverns in extra innings because local, regional, and national leaders are not complete fucking morons. And the Bears topped the Twins on a late double from superstar Ken Ho-Chek and because South Korea is apparently not a dying empire. In NFL news... Commissioner Roger Goodell announced last night that all 32 teams have made offers to ousted quarterback Colin Kaepernick. While there's no telling who he might sign with, the Seattle Seahawks have said they're interested in signing him as their brand new half measures back. And now to little Stevie Stevens with weather. Thanks, Mel. Category 5 shitstorms everywhere. Take cover. The Dow Jones and the S&P 500 is up 300 points to close at 20,000. George Floyd would be proud. We now return to The Stranger Among Us. I woke up on the floor of the Noah Webster Minuteman Gym. My head was bloody and I felt defeated. Maybe it was the head wound, but it appeared to me that Miller turned into a black plume of smoke the moment I laid hands on him. But no, that couldn't be. I attempted to gather my wits. Little did I know that at that very moment across town... Spencer and Miller had departed for a walk in the forest near Ms. Whitehouse's house. Stephen, I must say I'm very cross at you at the moment. Very cross. 
coming here all wild-eyed, scaring the simple townsfolk. It was not ideal, old chap. Not ideal. Well, my eyes are always like this, but I'm sorry, Dick. I know you said not to come again, but I needed to bring you a message in person. What could it possibly be, man? My camouflage is almost complete. I am a well-respected academic. I am marrying the jewel of the town. We recently got Xfinity Wi-Fi. I could run the entire empire from here. The boss is feeling restless. He wants to know if we can engineer a minor boogaloo around November time. Thinks it'll help at the polls. Quiet, man. I can't believe you're saying any of this out loud. The trees have ears here. Then again, I see in the moonlight that your sloping brow and dented parietal do pretend profligacy and a lack of impulse control. But I digress. Why, old chap, you've become a liability to me. No one has suspected a thing of me here. The shopkeep is enamored of me. Plays me in checkers every night. I let him win, and the old man thanks me by doing whatever I say. I am engineering a final victory for the white race, and you come here about an election. An election? No, I will not destroy all I've built here for you-know-who to win an election. But, Richard, you promised after Charlottesville, if we needed you, we... Richard, who would we get to replace you? Lou Dobbs? Lou's will not replace me. Please, Richard. You've got the jawline of a thoroughbred and the hairline of a god. You said you'd come back. That was before. Before Mary. Before I saw how easy it was for a Nazi in New England to disappear and become a respectable town intellectual. Now get out on the next train, or I'll show you how cross I really am. Hmm. I'm sure Mary would be devastated to learn who you really you are. You wouldn't. And there's a Miss Wilson snooping around. Who? Oh, just an activist from the Southern. Yes. Poverty. Yuck. Law. Double yuck. Center. What? You brought her here. You brought her right to me. You imbecile. You, you, you. I'm sorry, my boy. Losing one's temper is not appropriate. You were only trying to do right by me and the cause. And the cause thanks you for your years of noble support. Who would have known one of your lineage to orchestrate all you have? You must really hate yourself. I do. I do. It's true. You've given us such a gift. A willing White House. Ambitious policy. Why, you've become indispensable to the cause. Well, thank you, Dick. That, that makes me... What is the word? Feel? Yes. Feel. Feel. Emotions? Yes. Human emotions. Just emotions. Yes. Just emotions. It feels like heartburn, but good. That's the ticket, Stephen. As I was saying, you've become crucial to the cause. But that's the thing about causes, Stephen. They are larger than any one member. We all must be prepared to sacrifice for the greater good. Remember what old Jeff Davis said. 
The principle for which we contend is bound to reassert itself, though it may be at another time and in another form. Alas, old man, we must wait a little longer for it to reassert itself. Longer, yes, and maybe never. For you! <laughs> now, old man, you have to do one more great thing for the cause. And that is to remain silent and stay out of sight. Now a break from our sponsors, Shelly's Shovels. Shelly's Shovels. Jesus Christ, Johnson, you didn't tell me the shovel in the story was going to be used to bury a dead body or that a, a Nazi used it. Christ, oh, we're going to lose our ass on this ad. What were you thinking? A, a perfect product placement, my ass. I'm going to sue you so bad, you won't even know. Jim, what... uh, we're live. Oh, oh, uh, for all the projects on your honey-do list, Shelly's Shovels can help. Don't be caught empty-handed when there's an urgent project. Oh, God, I can't believe I have to say this. Uh, but Shelley's shovels are not intended for digging graves. Uh, we don't condone Nazis or Nazi sympathizers in any way. Shelley's shovels will bury your troubles and more. We now join Detective Wilson and Mr. Potter playing their sixth straight game of checkers in his country store. me. Damn it all. Ha! Potter, I have to tell you, I always thought checkers was a children's game, but you play it like Patton on the shores of Normandy. We New Englanders may seem daft, but we're smarter than you think. We've got a keen eye for human condition, and we're fantastic judges of character. Nothing gets past us. Except the neo-Nazi living in your midst. The what now? Neo-Nazi? Can't be. Why... Mm. What would possess you to say that, Miss Wilson? Oh, I don't know. Take that Dick Spencer. Don't you think he looks an awful lot like Richard Spencer? You mean what led the Charlottesville hullabaloo? The very same. Didn't it seem odd that soon after those protests, a man named Dick Spencer arrives on the scene? Bruised jaw, dumb haircut, and starts courting Miss Whitehouse and teaching at the school. How can you not see this? Now, I'll follow a good conspiracy theory like the next man, Wilson, but this sounds like a bunch of hooey. Our man is named Dick Spencer, and he's an upstanding man. He worked on fixing the town clock since he got here, teaching them disadvantaged boys at the school. Judge Whitehouse wouldn't let a near-Nazi marry his daughter. His ancestors fought in the Civil War and helped Sherman march to the sea. When the Kaiser started trouble, we sent boys to the trenches in France. And when old Adolf started his ramblings, a group of North Haven boys gave him the what for in the bulge. North Haven doesn't put up with that type of talk. We believe in common American decency. Well, that's all very nice, Mr. <laughs> Potter. But why would Stephen Miller, the president's senior advisor, come all this way to have a secret meeting with your lowly schoolteacher? Don't know no one by that name. Why, I guess we had a man in here by the name of Killer. Bless my crab apples, Fred, but 
Do you think he could have been? I do. In fact, I followed him right to Ms. Whitehouse's place and then to North Haven School, where he and Dickie spoke tensely. He gave me this black eye. Funny thing, no one has seen him since that first day. Uh, King Me. What's that, Potter? King Me. No, what you said before that. Oh, no one's seen Mr. Miller since that day you both came to town. How do you know that? Maybe he left. Well, why would he leave without his luggage? What do you mean? Well, he left his bag here when he first arrived. Said he'd be right back for it. Never turned up again. Check and mate. Well, I'm no big city intellectual, but we're playing checkers, not chess. Do you have the bag here? I do. I wouldn't feel right about snooping through it, though. Mr. Potter, you say you don't believe me that your Dick Spencer is the white nationalist, Richard Spencer. What better way to prove the connection than by seeing what Mr. Miller had in his bag? We won't take anything. We'll just... look. Well, all right. So long as we put it back the way we found it. Now what's this? Dr. Kinder's patented skull flattener. That's strange. This looks like a scrapbook of... Migrant children in cages. Hmm. Hmm, a White House ID badge with white circled repeatedly. Uh-huh. The clitoris and where to find it. Civil war for dummies. And why? That's Dick Spencer's phone number. Aha! See, Mr. Potter? Just on account of a man has another man's phone number doesn't mean that they're plotting a race war. Mr. Potter. Yes? If I win this game, will you promise to at least look into this? Well, I have to warn you, I've played brights like Dick Spencer and beat him every time. King me. King me. Game over. Mr. Potter. What is it? Come. Let's go. Let's go. They found the body in the woods. What is it? You need to come here. You need to see this right away. He's looking for Dick. Come quick. Come quick. Just, just... Something's afoot. Something's awful happening. Something evil. Are you a white person? Do you hate it when college students, rabble rousers, and communists try to tell you about which lives matter? Blah, 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 blah. Am I right? Well, what if I told you there was a product for you? That's right, from Denial Co., makers of the Lee Greenwood white noise machine. Boy, I'm not sure the U.S. military should be firing tear gas on its own people. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And the What About Obama smokescreen. Boy, that Donald Trump really has racked up the deficit. <coughs> what about when Obama did it? Comes the All Lives Matter button. With the All Lives Matter button, you'll never have to listen to another point of view again. And you'll be making it clear where you stand when it comes to a generational shift in consciousness. Listen in as our guinea pig, Doris, a corporate secretary, tries it out at work. Morning, Doris. While the protests outside are intensifying, did you hear that NFL commissioner Robert Goodell even said black lives matter? All lives matter. Jeez, Doris, I, I'm not even taking a stance. I'm just saying it's pretty crazy that even the NFL would say that all... All lives matter. 
Okay, Doris, fine. Now that's what I call water cooler talk. Thanks, Denial Co. It works on coworkers, children, activists, ethnics, and even pets. All lives matter. Good boy. Here at Denial Co., we want to make sure that your safe little cocoon is never penetrated by anything that even remotely resembles an endorsement of the idea that black lives are valuable. Listen to the All Lives Matter button on its brand new smart setting. The smart setting automatically detects when someone might try to tell you about racial injustice and interrupts them before they can get in a word edgewise. Listen. Hey, Doris, I think something's wrong with the copy machine. Every time I make a copy, there's all these black lines smatters. All lives matter. All lives matter. All lives matter. All lives matter. Denial ain't just a river in Egypt. It's a way of life. Denial Co. We find our suspect deep in the bowels of the town clock tower where he spends most of his free time. Fixing that clock has moved past a hobby and entered the territory of obsession. Dick? Dick, honey, are you up there? Dick? Dick? Yes, my darling. I'm up here. Won't you come up? You know how afraid of this ladder I am, Dick. It's safe, my dear. I'll hold it at the top. (laughs) Mary, what is it? (sighs) It's not that high, is it? No, Dickie, it's not about the ladder. Why, Dick, I feel so awful. I didn't tell you before. Oh, Mary, there's nothing you could say that would make me angry. Out with it, then. Uh, Well, Dick... Two days ago, when Miss Wilson arrived. Yes, remember? yes, yes. Well, I didn't tell you then, but an old friend of yours stopped by that very same day. What? Who? Who? Why didn't you... With all the wedding prep, it must have slipped my mind. Oh, Dick, I'm so... <sighs> so Stephen came to the house, did he? My darling, there's a horrible thing I must tell you. Something that will rattle you to the core. Promise me you'll believe me. You'll still love me, no matter what. In sickness and in health, for better or for worse, Dickie. Oh, Mary, you are an unbelievable woman. Just unbelievable. What is it, Dickie? Well, Stephen was in town because he's trying to bring me down and destroy my good name. But you're above reproach, a bona fide intellectual. Many years ago... When I lived in D.C., I was walking to the store to get some milk. Unbeknownst to me, there was some sort of neo-Nazi rally happening that same day. Now, this parade of 'er ne'er-do-wells happened to be walking in the exact same direction as the Whole Foods. Well, here I was, a dignified liberal, appearing as if I was walking in a Nazi cavalcade. All I wanted to do was buy some oat milk like a good and decent, conscientious American. Long story short, the crowds got out of hand. Wanting to do my part, I wrestled an offensive sign away from one of those Teutonic beasts. Just as Mr. Miller and Breitbart arrived to take pictures. Well, there I was, standing in the middle of a group of Nazi sympathizers. Though technically, they aren't Nazis. White nationalists. They don't think whites are superior. We, they just... 
think that the races should be separated. It is an important distinction. There I was holding the most offensive sign about how Jews will not replace us. I mean, how could they? Just in time for the cameras to see me holding it. Stephen came here to say that if I didn't pay him $10,000, he would publish that dreadful photograph and ruin my good name. Why, that's blackmail. Where? Oh, no, no, Dick. Dick, I meant what Miller's doing to you. Ah, yes, yes. And it's just what they'd do to me, too, if they could find me. Who? Blackmailers. Never mind. So what did you tell Miller when you saw him? I said, listen here, Miller. You and your Nazi cronies won't take a damn red cent from me. The next time you try to blackmail me, I'll give you a punch in the face like those guys that punched that Nazi in the face. Cheerio, Dick. I know you wouldn't do anything like what they are saying. Exactly. Exactly. Wait. What are they saying? Why, Dick, don't you know? Know what, Mary? Out with it. They found Miller in the woods, just outside of town. He was buried in some leaves. <sighs> While I welcome that news, I can say categorically that I had nothing to do with strangling that man to death. Why, Dick, I'm not sure anyone said anything about strangling. I'll bet my life that's how it went. He's got a neck that you just want to throttle. Have you told anyone about his visit to our place? No, Dick, I just now remembered to tell you. Good. Keep that to yourself. Let us get married as soon as possible so that you will never have to testify. Oh, Dick, you old romantic. If I know this town, they'll be looking for blood. The mob gets senseless when you stoke them. They're going to be looking for someone to blame. Gee, blackmail. Brilliant, <laughs> Mary. My dear... That is exactly who I will blame. Uh, what do you m mean? I, uh... Hurry along, now. Remember, not a word. Dick, Dick, Dick. Oh my gosh, Dick. We need to tell you, Dick. Come here, come here, come here. Oh my gosh, Dick, Dick, Dick. Dick, did you hear? They found a body in the woods. Stephen Miller. And now, another word from our sponsors, Dr. Kinder's Skull Flattener. Do you have the sloping brow of a Neanderthal? How about thick parietal ridges that portend vagabondage and lack of impulse control? I do, I really do. Have you tried all the creams, sanders, incantations, and painful surgeries to get your skull as flat and contourless as a Friends episode? Exactly, that's what I've done. Well, dum-dum, you're in luck. Look no further, my phrenologically challenged friends, because Dr. Kinder's patented skull flattener is for you. The eugenic scientists at Dr. Kinder's laboratory have scoured the globe for the finest in skull-softening flora and fauna to give you the smooth contours of a Teuton or Frisian. Let's hear from one of our best-known clients. We'll call him Stephen M. In my line of work, I'm on TV. <laughs> a lot. After every appearance, my boss would call me and say, uh, uh, Stefan, you are brilliant, absolutely brilliant, the most brilliant. I wish I could adopt you and raise you as my own, but what can I do about that perpendicular forehead and rocky occipital. Your words say rationality and vigor, but your forehead says fits of melancholy and distemper. 
Uh, all the makeup in the world couldn't hide my antisocial Alps rocking clockwork on my brain pan. That is, until I found Dr. Kinder's patented skull flattener. It's easy and fun. Just put your head in the Kinder vise, turn the crank three times, and hold it there for five hours. The result is an unblemished, untroubled brow with no signs of deficiency or profligacy. Dr. Kinder's for a gentler Kinder world. And that's this week's show. Please check the show notes for links for both shows this week at sonicsociety.org. And please be sure to contact us on all the various social media zines, including Twitter, at Sonic Society and at David Alt, Facebook through the Sonic Society group and audio drama, radio drama lovers. And of course, we are a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network at mutualaudionetwork.com. So glad you finally got that Twitter switched over so people can find you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Although I do miss it because I have, uh, a, I know, I, I know, have, I have a special so connection sense. for that. But <laughs> yes, of at Astro Tour 2010, Indeed, when we yes. first met, yes, ten years ago. Ten probably. years. Be sure to yeah. join us next week as we complete the Stranger Among Us and visit an old shiny friend. That's hardly a pun worthy enough to really tease the audience this week, Jack. It's really been a long november already <laughs> see you next week folks i'm jack ward and i'm david alt have a wonderful day everyone you too the sonic society is written and produced weekly by jack j ward and david alt with original music by Sharon B at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. There are a number of everyday precautions that we can all take that may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. The first is to make sure to clean your hands often. Now, washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds is the best, but if you don't have that, try to use a hand sanitizer that has at least 60% alcohol. And to the extent possible, avoid touching high-touch surfaces in public places. These are things like elevator buttons, door handles, handrails, or of course handshaking with people. Wash your hands after touching surfaces in public places. Avoid touching your face, your nose, and your eyes. And clean and disinfect your home to remove germs, practicing routine cleaning of frequently touched surfaces like tables, doorknobs, light switch handles will make a difference. Avoid crowds, especially in poorly ventilated spaces. All these small things that we can do may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone.